0: the hood with jonathan hood weeknights on espn 1000 and the espn app
1: hour number three under the hood on espn 1000 and the espn app i'm chris black along with adam abdallah sitting in for jonathan hood tonight you can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 9 o'clock tonight. We are open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. We will get a in-game report from Jesse Rogers at the bottom of the hour from Cubs and Reds. In 15 minutes, we will talk college football with Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic and Sirius XM. So that's coming up this hour. Also, a thought on LeBron James. Did you see this, Abdallah, that LeBron wants to play basketball again? Uh, He's done with the movie making. He wants to get the crew together to work on basketball. You see this? He's going to organize team activities away from the team. LeBron, the leader, after he's done with all of his off-the-court issues. I mean, not issues, Business. Business. Well, no, I mean, listen, listen, it gets in the way of what reshoots. he's actually trying you to have, accomplish. But there
2: are reshoots, though. You have to do reshoots. Sometimes bugs
1: didn't get in the take. Sometimes but bugs was looking at the wrong camera. But you know how long that process is, because then you gotta go back and fix the hairline. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. You gotta get it all right. Are you, saying, are you saying LeBron is fabricating his hairline? I, I'm just saying each off season, when the season starts, the hairlines at a certain point, and then as the NBA season yes. goes, stress goes, goes through the stress, year. And you see it change. It's called stress. And then All Star break, he's got a new line. It's called stress. All right. Black up, dollar here on ESPN one thousand and ESPN. So I got a thought on LeBron because you know he's going to put to the side. He's he's done with the acting and the in the multi million business stuff that's Hollywood related. Test. To the side, he's going to team build with his teammates now. Cool, because he means business for this NBA season. Now that business. Space Jam 2 is in the can, so we'll talk about Most LeBron definitely. James. Uh, coming up here this hour on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We also have our eyes on the Bears and the Panthers It's 7-6. Bears with the lead in the second quarter, 445 left in the second quarter. We'll uh, update you when that game gets to halftime here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Abdullah, let me start you with this this hour. Uh, baseball is no longer relevant whatsoever on a national platform. Mm. Hot take, but okay. I think it's a realistic take, and let's start here. Yesterday, Mike Trout turned 28. I was watching Sports Center and I saw Tim Kirchin on SportsCenter uh, talk about the great Mike Trout.
3: It is said that a baseball player often reaches his physical and emotional prime at age 28. A scary thought given that Mike Trout's career through age 27 has been spectacular and historic. Trout hits one into left center field. Out of here! Trout reaches 28 with the highest wins above replacement of any position player ever. Third behind Walter Johnson and Kid Nichols, neither of whom has pitched in nearly 100 years. Trout already has a higher war than first ballot Hall of Famers Tony Gwynn, Eddie Murray, Ernie Banks, and Pudge Rodriguez. Trout is on his way to winning his third MVP. After finishing second in the MVP voting last season, Trout became the first player in MLB history to finish in the top two of the MVP voting in six of seven seasons. He also joins Daryl Strawberry and Alex Rodriguez as the only players to reach 200 homers and 150 stolen bases by age 28. Trout is going back. Still going back, still back, just up,
0: and up on the wall! He catches it! Unbelievable! This might be one of the best catches you will ever see.
3: Trout has already established himself as the greatest player ever to wear uniform number 27. Today, he turns 28 years old, and it is breathtaking to think where he is going from here. So that was
1: Tim Kirchner on SportsCenter yesterday, Mike Trout turning 28. And Adam, I say that baseball is no longer relevant on a national stage because do we understand how good Mike Trout is? He is currently in his prime in a major sport in this country, yet nobody talks about him. He's never on first take. He's never on Sports Center. No one debates whether or not Mike Trout's the greatest of all time like we debate about LeBron James, Tom Brady until we're blue in the face. Mm-hmm. There is a star in his prime in a major in a major American sport which we talk nothing about. And that is proof to me that baseball has fallen in relevance on a national landscape across this country because In any other circumstance, if there was someone who was at a level like Mike Trout is at where we are debating whether or not he's the greatest of all time, and it's not just saying it because I want a hot take, the numbers tell us that there is a great chance that Mike Trout is going to be the greatest baseball to ever live as long as he doesn't get injured and he can actually continue playing at age 28 the way he's been playing in the first nine seasons that he's accrued in Major League Baseball. It is proof to me that baseball doesn't really matter Your team matters. The Cubs matter to you because you love the Cubs. The White Sox matter to you because you love the White Sox. Anything that happens outside of the world of your specific team does not matter on the grand landscape of professional sports.
2: I'll give you this hot take. Is it worse than hockey? right now because i know who Sidney crosby is the national the national people know who Sidney crosby is everybody knows sydney crosby is Everybody knows who alexander ovechkin is i believe people know who patrick kane and jonathan taves are people know who good hockey players are people saw the st louis blues and what they did people talked about it those guys were on the first takes so all that kind of stuff um, is what is going on with mike trout would we be talking about that if he were playing hockey if he were on this crazy
1: run in hockey, if Mike Trout was on pace to be better than Wayne Gretzky, yeah, is that what you're asking? Yeah, I think we would. I think you we know would why? Too. Because I think the com- the comparison between Gretzky and Trout, if Trout was that caliber of hockey player on the heels of the great one, I think that would have interest. I think people would have appeal to that. You know, like like are people aware that there's only one player, one current active player in Major League Baseball that has a higher career war than Mike Trout? Mike Trout has played He's 28. He turned 28 yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's played in 9 seasons. There's mm-hmm. one active player in Major League Baseball with a career war or higher. It's Albert Pujols. Yeah. That's it. Everyone else ahead of him in career war is someone who is retired. Yeah. I mean, like do we understand how great Mike Trout is? Some other numbers for Mike Trout. He's about to lead the American League in on-base percentage for the fourth straight year. The only players that have ever done that are Hall of Famers Lou Gehrig, Ted Williams, and Wade Boggs. Ted Williams is the only one that did it at Trout's age. Trout has hit 278 career home runs. That's seventh most all time before a player's 28th birthday. And like the rest of the league, his power surge uh, this year is also on pace for his first career 50 home run season. Think about that. He's gotten to this number of 278, seventh most all time of players before their age 28 season. And he has no 50 home run years. You know what I'm saying? Like, we lived through the 90s and the early 2000s uh, yeah, with home run we, numbers yeah, jumping. But we know why. but still, um, players with Trout's power aren't supposed to be able to run like he can. 30 players have hit at least 200 home runs before his uh, 28th birthday. Trout's 198 career steals are the most out of any of those players who have hit all of those those home runs before their 28th birthday. So, I mean, Mike Trout and how good he is in Major League Baseball should be a much bigger deal than what he what is given to him no one talks about him he's on a team that's not chasing anything and and in a sport that on a national landscape nobody talks about and i think that is something that points to the fact that unless you have a favorite team that you follow each and every day the cubs the white Sox. if you're a brewers fan living in milwaukee if you're a cardinals fan living in st louis your team is important to you in that specific market, and that's it. Outside of that, nobody in Carolina or Florida is debating whether or not Mike Mike Trout is going to go down as the greatest baseball player ever to live. Yeah, and
2: that's the problem. I think, is that because of him? Is that because of baseball? You know, Rob Manfred has said that he does a disservice to himself in the game by not being more marketable, by not being willing to do things, by not being on social media, by being the, the quiet guy, and he does that to himself. He could be a guy that's out there, that's on social media, that's like LeBron, that's Taco Tuesdaying it up or whatever, that puts the game out there, but he chooses not to. He chooses not to do that.
1: Is that on him or is that on the league? Michael in Cedar Lake, he called 312-332-3776. I think Michael has a good idea to why Mike Trout is so unrecognizable. Here's Michael in Cedar Lake. What do you got, Michael? How you doing? What's up, man? What do you think?
0: So you guys say uh, nobody really knows who Mike Trout is and that you mention all those hockey players who Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tate, they've all been in the playoffs. They've all won Stanley Cups. Mm -hmm. If the Angels could put players around Mike Trout and get him into the playoffs, people would know who he is.
2: No, that's a very good point. He hasn't been on a national stage. Thanks, Michael. He's only on national on the national stage when the
1: Angels are on Sunday Night Baseball or Fox Saturday Baseball. He doesn't do the Home Run Derby. He doesn't. No, he doesn't do that. Uh, He's in the All Star Game, but you know how that works. Guys play one or two innings and Mm -hmm. then they bounce. But if the the Um,
2: Angels went on a playoff run and made you know a championship series every once in a while, maybe he would be more recognizable. Maybe he would be more popular. Well, uh,
1: the one thing that Michael said there that I don't agree with is people know who he is. It's just the relevance of baseball is lower compared to football and to the NBA. I don't know the if people, people
2: don't debate
1: baseball topics.
2: I don't know if that many people outside of sports know
1: who Mike Trout is. Yeah, they do. I don't think so. People know who
2: Mike Trout is. I don't know. I don't think so. I,
1: I don't think that that's the case. I just think that culturally speaking that no one debates baseball. And I'm I'm just I'm wondering if people understand that we're watching one of the greatest players of all time play in his prime. Yet no one seems to really care. Okay. Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. I love how your response is okay. Count me in as one of those people. You just don't care. No, I don't. You don't find it interesting whatsoever that there's only one player in Major League Baseball that has a higher career war than Mike Trout at this moment in time, and he's 28? No. Let's switch to this. Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Thanks for uh, giving some some
2: i did i gave you high. i gave you comparisons i gave you everything i tried to i tried to help you out with your little segment i get it you've oh, got hot bas-
1: you've got hot oh. baseball thoughts you need oh. to get them off your chest yeah it goes top of an hour but you've got hot baseball thoughts are you <laughs> saying because of baseball's uh non-relevance in the sports landscape that that should have been buried at the back of an hour
2: i'm not saying i'm just saying i didn't say that okay, i didn't this? say
1: that how about this some college football conversation oh, with God. nicole hourback from the Save athletic us, you can follow us Follow her on Twitter at Nicole Auerbach. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdullah. Chris and Adam. Nicole, what's going on this evening?
4: Not too much. Uh, definitely not watching baseball or arguing about Mike Trout. <laughs> Thank you so much. Here.
1: Thank you so much. All
4: right. As we take a
1: look at this college football season, is it really as simple as saying that it's Clemson, Alabama, and everyone else?
4: Unfortunately, I think so. And, and not that's not to mean anything to slight Alabama and Clemson or Trevor and Tua. It's just... You know, I'm just hoping that somebody else emerges um, because I'm not necessarily sure it's great for the sport or casual sports fans or really anyone to just have the same two teams kind of schedule pencil in that date in the title game every single year. Um, You know, I'm just looking for fresh blood. That's why people want like a Georgia, Texas, Michigan, those types of teams to break through just to just to mix things up a little bit because you know we kind of you know what you're getting. You're it the games themselves we've had some really good ones between those two teams but you know with, with college football being such a regional sport um, you know it's just it, it'd be good to have some, some new energy some new faces and just something different for the sport. Just how
2: big is the gap between Alabama, Clemson, and the other teams? Because you mentioned Michigan. I'm looking at LSU's schedule. They look like they could be a one-loss team. Unfortunately, that one loss could be to Alabama. But you could get two undefeated teams, both two teams, 8-0, when they meet on November 9th. Just how far of a gap is it between Clemson, Alabama, and the other two teams that could make a playoff?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big question. Um, And and we don't don't know yet. Um, I think... You know, there's there's a lot of interesting moving pieces. I mean, even with teams like Ohio State, you know, that has made the playoff, that has beaten one of those two teams before. Um, you know, you've got a new head coach there, a quarterback from Georgia, who we haven't seen a ton from. Um, you know, how, how can they not skip a beat after Urban Meyer? Oklahoma, getting some reinforcements on the defensive side, is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. You know, can they make that final step to, you know, not just, Get to that tier below Alabama and Clemson, but get to their level and, and maybe knock them off. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. You know, you've also got potentially Oregon coming out of the Pac 12. We'll know more about them week one when they play Auburn. Um, so, really, it's just I'm in I'm, with so many of these teams, like Nebraska, too. That's a trendy pick that people are kind of talking about as a dark horse. Like, I'm just in wait and see mode. I, and it's just so hard to tell until these teams are in those big games. You know where you can actually see a measuring stick to know how close they are. I mean, it's pretty—it's pretty much a safe bet to say, like, well, there's no one in the ACC right now that that can match Clemson, and there's there's going to be a huge gap there this year. That's that's fair, and that's probably going to be the case. And it's going to take a couple years for maybe a team like Miami or somebody to to emerge um, and be a consistent challenger in the SEC. Though, like you mentioned, LSU got georgia florida like it is interesting that you could have teams that could actually maybe push them if not beat them this year
1: nicole our back uh, from the athletic joy and chris black and am of right here on espn 1000 and the espn app. nicole what's your dog's name because we're friends with am i and, and i think your dog's name is awesome
4: Yes, it's Red Auerbach. He He's just signing <laughs> in there. He he agrees um, with my football take, yes, yes. but also has some very strong basketball opinions, as you can imagine.
1: Beautiful. Um, so, if we take a look at Clemson, the one thing that I'm interested in is Trevor Lawrence was so good last season. I know all the advanced stats and the, just the basic stats showed that his freshman season was incredible. How good do you think he? How like how much better do you think Trevor Lawrence can be during his time at Clemson?
4: You know, that's a scary question and, and thought, um, you know, especially for everyone who's on their schedule this year and next year, because it's crazy. Like, I remember talking to NFL scouts around the draft. And, I mean, listen, like, scouts are known for their hyperbole, but there are people saying he could have been in the mix to be the number one pick if he had been able to go out this year. Um, but that's, like, that's just how pro-ready he is size-wise, arm-wise, poise, everything. I mean, we saw it all. You saw him win a national championship as a freshman, but – those were all things that people were talking about, you know, when he was still a recruit and then when he got to campus this time last year, um, you know, that he could be that type of player. So to me, like, you know, it's really interesting because him and him and Tua are considered, you know, kind of those two Heisman front runners entering the year. But to me, it's, I, would, I would go Trevor way above Tua just because, um, you know, just again, like how pro-ready he seems to be. And just, I I just don't understand how you can play like that all year as a true freshman and just never get flustered. Like he never got flustered at any point. And all of his weapons are young around him. He's got a running back in Travis Etienne who really hasn't had the wear and tear that some of the other top running backs in the country have had. Justin Ross is his receiver who just went off in the title game. I mean, it's kind of just terrifying how many weapons he has around him. Like, the only nitpicking questions you have about Clemson this year are on the defensive side of the ball just because they're replacing that incredibly, you know, basically a historic defensive front from last year. So, like, I don't see any issues or questions about what Trevor Lawrence can do on his side of the ball with his weapons. And, like, it, it, it's literally just barring injury, the sky's the limit. Um, and the fact that he'll have a full season because obviously last year he took over after, after Kelly Bryant uh, was benched so you know it's going to be it's going to be pretty crazy to see what areas he does grow in because you know we saw that the deep ball we saw the accuracy we saw so many different facets of his game um, that yeah I mean like if I were a defensive coordinator in the ACC I would be pretty nervous thinking about okay what what is his next step going to look like
2: this will be the 10th year for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. What do you make of his decade at Notre Dame, and what do you think uh, of his team this year?
4: Yeah, it's fascinating that he's been there so long because, I mean, it feels like he has been there and has been synonymous with that program for so long. But also, you don't see coaches last that long at places anymore. Um, and, you know, especially at a place like the high expectations of a Notre Dame. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think. You know, I think last year it was, it was such an interesting dynamic, um, you know, to go through the regular season the way that Notre Dame did, to have the performance they did against Clemson. And you saw the fan base and a lot of people react and say, oh, well, you know, Notre Dame wasn't as good as we thought they were. And then you saw what Clemson did to everyone. Like we saw Clemson do to Alabama what they did to Notre Dame, and you realize, no, that was just an incredible Clemson team. So I sort of wonder, like, what you, what, how you start a season coming off of something like that, where it was a big year, getting to the playoff is, you know, what everyone is striving to do in this era of college football. Um, but then to realize there was still such a gap, as we were talking about earlier, a gap between Clemson and Alabama, and in last year's case, just Clemson and, and everyone else. Um, and just, like, how do you get there? How do you, how do you fill that gap? Um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how they, how they go. But I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's obviously high expectations. Once again, they've got incredibly talented players and talented quarterback. And just, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's going to be one of those years where you're expecting, you're going to be disappointed if you see what multiple regular season losses. I mean, and maybe outside of that Georgia game, if they lose to anyone, they, they could be favored in all the other games. And it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but that game, when they go to Athens and play that game, it's going to be awesome. I just, I love that there is a trend in college football with more people scheduling, like Notre Dame always schedules, um, but especially in this last two years, home and home with Georgia. Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere, night game in Athens. So, that, I mean, that will be the big measuring stick game to determine if they're like a playoff caliber team or not this year. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, everyone will just have the crazy high expectations they always have.
1: Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic joining Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and ESPN app. All right, we've talked a lot of positive uh, college football storylines. Who has the hotter seat this season? Is it Clay Helton at USC or Gus Melzahn at Auburn? Who, who's more likely think, to be fired this season?
4: I think the, the hotter seat is is Clay Helton. Um, and just because, I mean, this is someone, I mean, yes, you had kind of that, that faction of the Auburn fan base and, Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of politicking going on at the end of last season, but, but USC, I I thought was going to make the move last year. Um, and, and so to me, this is a little bit borrowed time. And, and I just think, you know, there's no reason, especially in the state of the Pac-12 South right now. And the fact that, you know, Chip Kelly is building at UCLA, but they're not, they're not starting at the level of his Oregon teams were last year. That division was just kind of a debacle um and you know you don't have a relevant usc like you don't have a usc dominating that division coming out of the south and we're kind of just like waiting around for oregon or washington or stanford or somebody to kind of carry that mantle for for the pac-12 you need to have usc relevant they need to be one of the best teams in the nation and so i think i think that patience the time is running out there's also all sorts of mess i mean usc was obviously tied in that that crazy college admissions bribery scandal. There's there's so many moving pieces in that athletics department right now. Um, so I, I think all of that combined leads me to say, like, that is absolutely the hottest beat in college football.
1: Thank you, Nicole. We appreciate it tonight.
4: All right, thanks. And uh, Red is not barking right now, but he's saying
1: goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> have a great night. That's Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic. You can follow her on Twitter at Nicole Auerbach. You know, with USC, the over-under win total this year, I'm dollars at seven. If you've taken a look at their schedule, it is tough. Week two, home Stanford. Week three, home for Utah. On the road for Washington. Then on the road for Notre Dame. Uh, they have Oregon at home. On the road for Arizona State. Uh 7 is going to be tough. Just, I just I you know it, it's true. Uh as a USC fan, this is how it plays out in my head. Uh Clay Helton just will be call fired. All
2: Urban now.
1: He will be fired uh is, at or around uh, early October. The contract should already be drawn up. And he'll be fired around early October. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer is doing Fox uh, yeah. pregame show. He'll mm-hmm. be in Los Angeles. He's on the set with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert each mm-hmm. and every week. Mm-hmm. He's out there in Los, Los Angeles, Southern California. Mm-hmm. He was on Colin Cowherd's show today. We know Colin has a bunch of connections to the USC program. Urban Meyer is going to be the next coach at USC, and that's going to be fantastic because I'm a USC fan, and Urban Meyer wins. Lynn Swan going to want to pay him? Well, is he still golfing, or is he actually going to do something? Because that's that's the talk is that Lynn Swan's never around.
2: Well, the thing is,
1: I, I, it's just a matter of how much he's going to cost, and if USC is willing to put. And willing to put Nicole's that right. Up. They also, I believe, uh, just hired a new president for the school. So, like, there's a lot of things going on at USC. Mm-hmm. But they got the money. They they got boosts. Yeah, they've got money. They got Hollywood they money uh, that back that. And how school. invested is Urban just Meyer, call, Meyer anymore? Call how Will is, Ferrell and ask him for twenty mil and let's get this going. How Come invested on. is Urban Meyer anymore? Uh, he will be with that talent oh, base yeah, in Southern California. I mean, I'm just telling you, uh, as we talk USC football here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah coming up next. LeBron James wants to get back to basketball. Finally, we'll talk about it. Oh. <laughs> Chris Black and Am Abdullah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's halftime at Soldier Field. Let's go to a live report from Jeff Dickerson, ESPN Bears reporter, live at Soldier Field. J.D.?
0: Well, well, boys, I've, <laughs> I've covered Super Bowls, nine of them to be exact. I've covered Final Fours, more playoff games. Well, not that many. I covered the Bears. A few playoff games here and there <laughs> every couple of years. And, I mean, the scene here, the pandemonium. When Elliot Fry lined up for a 43 yard field goal into the north end zone, the same exact oh, distance no. wow. and direction as the Cody Parkey double doink wow. back in January that cost the Bears the Eagles game. Elliot Fry is good from 43 yards. The parade started, the music pumped, the fans went insane. It is good. It was almost as if the Bears won the Super Bowl. Instead, they lead ten six over the Panthers in meaningless preseason game number one. Live at Soldier Field, Jeff
2: Dickerson. JD, 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 JD. What happened like? Fi- what happened like fifteen minutes before that with uh, Eddie Piniero? Are you
0: questioning my live report? No, uh, I, I just want <laughs> to know for the people. Now, Let the people now, know. It's, it's, it's not all sunshine and roses. This, this was cool. not, Q&A. not all
2: sunshine and roses.
0: <laughs> I, believe, I believe there was a lockout there. I believe that signals the end. <laughs> live report. But uh, fine, in case you did not get enough great information from that 30-second burst I gave you right there, I will tell you that Eddie Pinheiro <laughs> missed from 48 yards. And uh, the uh, crowd here uh, still paying full price for their alcohol was not happy. <laughs> booed him loudly. So oh, Pinheiro no. having a tough night. Yeah, missed from 48. Elliott Fry makes from 43. Also kicks an extra point. So uh, those two guys, the star of the show, also David Montgomery, a seven-yard touchdown run. But who cares about the real players? <laughs> this is about the kickers. And right now it is Elliot Fry with a big lead, I guess uh, uno- unofficially, over <laughs> Eddie Pinheiro for the Bears kicker competition. Now, again, with my, if I may, I gotta get some food here. Live at Soldier Field, Jeff Dickerson, ESPN 1000.
1: Thank you, JD. That's Jeff Dickerson live at, e- at uh, Soldier Field. Now we go down to Cincinnati, the Cubs and the Reds playing Cincinnati. Let's go to a live in game update with Jesse Rogers. Jesse? All right, guys. Cubs lead seven to
0: five, bottom six here. Kind of a wild game. 20 combined hits, two errors between the teams. Both teams scored a run in the first. Both teams scored four in the third. Chasing both starters, including Cole Hamels. He was just awful in that third inning. Overall, three innings, eight hits, five earned runs, two walks, two Ks. It was 5-5 after three. The Cubs pushed ahead a run in the fourth on a solo home run by Nicholas Castellanos. His second homer of the night, he is three hits. He's slugging 900, slugging 900 for the Cubs. Not his OPS, that's his slugging percentage. Jonathan Lucroy in his first game with the Cubs... Two hits, including an RBI double in the fifth inning. So Cubs up 7-5 in a kind of back-and-forth, obviously, offensive game. Tyler Chat with the pitcher record right now for the Cubs. He's on for his third inning. Back to you guys. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's
1: great work from Jesse Rogers there. Uh, Adam Abdallah, Chris Black. We started this hour off talking about Mike Trout. His birthday was yesterday. He turned 28. He is on pace to be the greatest baseball player to ever live. That's not hyperbole. That is based on facts, based on war numbers, based on stats. He is on pace to be one of the greatest. And I mentioned that this is proof that baseball is not relevant anymore because we have one of the greats ever in any sport playing in their prime and no one talks about him. Did you hear the difference between the reports there? J- JD having so much fun with football, and don't then Jesse, Jesse, Jesse with the straight and serious. The Cubs out- are in a pennant race. Well, it was funny. The don't, two back to back. Don't call.
2: First of all, don't call out Jesse. You know why I'm not Jesse's him upset? Out. A good you know why Jesse's upset? Jesse's upset because it's a it's a twelve. to run, do three of these it's tonight. A twelve run total game. Yeah. They're at the bottom of the sixth. He's been at this game for two and a half hours. That's yeah. the game time. You know how baseball works. You got to get to the park. 10 hours before the game starts. Oh, yeah, I know. The, the The manager speaks three hours before
1: the game starts for some reason. I'm not making fun of Jesse. I'm just okay. saying you could hear the difference in their voice. Mm-hmm. Eric Ostrowski producing the show tonight. Eric, did you hear a difference in the two reports we got? One, football, fun, baseball, slug. JD was having a blast, and and these are like See?
2: a chore for Jesse. I actually just texted him, like, thanks, have a good night, and he responded, if it ends. See? <laughs> totally he's not mad if at it us. It ends. He's not mad <laughs> at us to have, for having to come on. He loves coming on with his two best friends, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Yeah, I
1: don't think that's how it works. But, but
2: he's mad that he's going to have to sit at a baseball game until whenever, because baseball doesn't have an ending whereas jd knows i got a half i gotta write 200 words and then i'm out
1: yeah and i mean this is why not only is mike trout on a national landscape not relevant but it's also why baseball is no longer a part of the the debate the daily debate between talk shows tv shows it's just people don't really care on that level. You care about your individual team. That's it. Well, you and cup I did fans little... care about Cub fans. Here's White Sox fans care about the White Sox. That's about it. You Baseball and I... fans don't care about other teams.
2: You and I did a 15 minute interview with Nicole Auerbach from the Athletic. We didn't ask one question about uh, Illinois or Northwestern. Like we don't. You know what I mean? Like, well, You could just talk about football, whether it's college or pro, on a national level because people care about no, those teams
1: nationally. We, we could talk Texas Rangers. The problem is no Ew. one's really interested. It's well, I'm just time. giving you a random baseball team. Hot you know, and, and to, to your point... Illinois and Northwestern, uh, we would talk more if about those good. schools if they were good. So if they were good, yeah. You li- listen, Lovey, his beard has reached epic proportions. Well, I mean, we talked to Kevin White, uh, Kenny White, Vegas Insider earlier tonight, and he said he's projecting Northwestern at five point five wins. Mm-hmm. If you take a look at Northwestern's schedule, that first month you have Stanford, you have uh, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Michigan State, mm-hmm. Iowa's in there. You could see Northwestern starting things off one in six. I hope they don't. And, and like uh Kenny White mentioned to us, gambling people like Northwestern mm-hmm. because they keep games close. Yeah. Now, do. now a little tip. Northwestern usually not great at actually winning those games. They're good mm-hmm. at getting close, but usually they, that's about it. Hey, as long as the kids at the games are not on their phones, I think everybody's gonna have a good time. Oh, really? You're doing that?
2: Just saying, stay off your phones, kids. When you go to Northwest. Well,
1: and then that's uh, around Pat Fitzgerald, uh, yeah. no phones. Yeah. Well, how about you win some games in September? Let's wow. let's worry about that. Wow, Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and ESPN. I'm just saying, it, it sounded completely different. Jesse's report and JD's report, two different reports. <laughs> it's a good report from Jesse. I oh, didn't say it was reports. a bad report. No, great reports. He did sound like it, it was a Jim long Lux night. Jim right? Lexa chiming
2: in uh, that JD's report was the best preseason opener halftime report he's ever <laughs> heard.
1: I just I just enjoy that JD was like, "All right." Kevin I'm, says, "I need may to go have, get some food now."
2: Kevin has said Dickerson uh, at Dickerson ESPN may have had the best live Bears update of all time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great! <laughs> I love that football is back. It's, it's fantastic. so much fun.
2: And look and. Here's what you're going to hear. Tomorrow you're going to hear that, wow, that game was boring, a kicker missed and a kicker hit. But if you go around the NFL, if you go around the NFL tonight, things are happening. Oh, yeah. And it is. Fun if you're just be you know how it's it's always better to be it's always to be better than Detroit mm-hmm. always be better than Detroit. Yeah, Detroit is losing their game twenty six to nothing <laughs> against the Patriots. They were booed going into the locker room at halftime at home in the preseason. You know,
1: there's another score that's like that right now in the National Football League. The Ravens are up mm. twenty six oh. nothing on mm. Jacksonville in the third quarter. Uh, John Harbaugh, little little known fact, John Harbaugh is, uh, is
2: a uh, Harbaugh is one of the uh, one of the best against the spread coaches in the preseason. Wow. Minus three was a gift.
1: Uh, Daniel Jones looks good for the Jet for the Giants tonight. Sam Darnold has looked good for the Jets, Baker Mayfield has looked good. And I just saw a highlight of Josh Rosen throwing a deep ball. Mm-hmm. So quarterbacks are out there doing things. Uh Let's get to this LeBron topic coming up next. LeBron focused on basketball, uh, not movies and TV and everything else he's doing. LeBron James is going to get his players together for a minicap. We'll talk about that coming up next before the season. Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000 at Chicago Bears Trade.
0: America's favorite caveman, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN
1: app. Chris Blank and Adam Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood tonight. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski for producing tonight's show. Thanks to Jeff Dickerson, Jesse Rogers, Kenny White, Pete Sampson, and Nicole Auerbach for joining us this evening. Abdallah, guess what? <laughs> Take the windows oh, open. Oh. oh. First five callers at ESPN at 312-332-3776. You can win a pair of tickets to the 2019 Fantasy Football Convention and Championship August 24th at 115 Bourbon Street. It's an all-day event. It kicks off at 8 a.m. If you're interested in going, you want a pair of tickets, be callers 1 through 5 right now. (laughs) At ESPN 1000 at 312-332-3776. Tickets can be purchased online at the ESPN Facebook page for $15 before the event and they're 20 bucks the day of the event. First five callers at 312-332-3776. Fun show tonight, Abdallah. Oh, a blast. Here's the thing. Uh, you and I have worked, uh, here at the station. Me 13 years, you going on 14, right? Mm-hmm. We've worked for quite some time in sports radio. Yeah, I've been And here, been nights there. like tonight are uh, sometimes you get the uh, response from a host that you're producing that says they don't, don't want to be on the air because they're going against a Bears preseason game and a Cubs game, no. both at the same time. This is the best. Tonight's been fun. I love it. There's been a lot to cover. There's been a lot to do, and it's been fun to talk sports with you here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The listener, not you, Abdallah, but I'm, I'm talking to the listener. Was fun for you? No, I mean, it was fun to talk to you, but I'm talking to you, who's listening to us on ESPN 1000. Oh, um, yes. Did you see this from Sham Sarania, uh earlier today about LeBron James? Sham Sarania is reporting that the Lakers star player is organizing team uh, workouts in a mini camp in September ahead of the training camp for the Lakers the official one for the Lakers before the season gets started I found it interesting that LeBron now is going to act like he actually cares about basketball this season when it was clear to many that he punted on last season especially once things started to go south he definitely punted on last season And kind of packed it in, waiting to see if he could get a star player to help him Mm -hmm. come into this season. Where he's going to have Anthony Davis, he and Anthony Davis, whether or not they can get really far with the Lakers this season. I think it's interesting. After a summer of bad PR and pub about LeBron and his acting and Space Jam and all this stuff with him. Now he's the team guy. He's going to organize workouts before training camp starts. Well,
2: I think last year he knew he didn't have a chance. So he was like, well, I'm done. There's no point here. Uh and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my ball and I'm gonna literally go home. Whereas now he's got a window. You know, now he's got the Anthony Davis window. He's got a t he's got time now where if he's gonna go for a uh a a championship, it's gonna be now. And so why not? Why not organize
1: this? Why not be the leader that he's supposed to be? I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um you know, LeBron James still has the ability to be be the best player in the league. Whether or not he is or he isn't, or if it's Giannis Kumpo or someone else who has now surpassed him as the best player in the league, he can get to that level that is right on the cusp, and he can still carry a team. And now with Anthony Davis, it's going to be a fun Western conference to watch these two go back and forth against everyone else.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And not just them, but the, the whole... The whole Western, not just the Lakers and the Clippers, but everybody else.
1: Jonathan Hood will be on tonight with Freddie Coleman coming up next right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah. Have a great night.